Whenever I hear that, I love America, I always think of Eurotrip. You're Americans? I love America. We just got Miami Wise on the television. <laughs> hey, man, Miami Wise, number one new show. <laughs> That's such a good part. That's so awesome. Welcome to the Bottle of Brown podcast. I am your host, Danny Paul. Joining me in the Bob Media Studios is our resident vice host, the Regent of Rage, Leon Coventry, ladies and gentlemen. Danny, happy fucking Thursday to you. Happy Insurrection Day, my man. Oh, how are you doing? Did you uh, did you invade a government building? <laughs> Slacker. <laughs> Maybe Social Security office. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not going down that road. All right, I'll let you chew on it while we go to our other vice host, the Pharaoh of Finance, our very own Mr. Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah! Danny, Danny, it's, uh, it's fine to see uh, your fine face. And How are you, sir? Did you get the prints Mr. down? Leo. Everything okay? Uh, he's a little feisty. He's getting bigger. Uh, you know, Punk. every every week something different, but he's not teething now, but he's just feisty. <laughs> yeah, a little, little whiskey on the binky, just kind of give it a dip. My help. Yeah, I keep keep, keep right threatening. Up. Haven't gone there yet. But gentlemen, we have an important milestone here on Insurrection Day. We made it to 50. <gasps> Whoa. Dun, 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 dun. And all I can think what? of is that scene from Princess Bride where he slams up the, the ratchet. my friends <laughs> we made it to 50 no more rhyming i mean it <laughs> you keep using that word i don't know no, this is what you think a milestone for for this is a milestone podcast. for any podcast sir so i brought out the good brown oh why don't you guys tell me what you're rocking today leon what's your brown for today you know that's so funny i went the complete other direction i thought i was starting to sound a little pretentious over here so i went with one that you can get off the shelf for 18 dollars, 100 proof Ooh. it's one of these ones that you probably wouldn't reach for but you you should have on your shelf and it's called old tub that's old right tub. old tub unfiltered Underproof. It is a very good cheap bourbon. So, so I, uh, I, what's that I game? Is it spades it. where you shoot the moon? What's the one where you do the complete opposite? What card game am know. I thinking of? You know what I'm talking about? Hearts. Hearts is where you shoot the is moon. It hearts? Is that, hearts that the one where you, you go the, the complete opposite and you win? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's spades then. I don't know. I'm not a card person. But I think that's what you just did, Leon. Well done. Complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Well done. <laughs> Other storm the capital today, sir. What about you, Mr. Jones? I, you know, I'm finishing off a bottle that I found in the back of uh, many bottles that I have, but it's the Woodford Reserve Double Oaked. So, oh, sweet. It's a sweet one. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a 90 proof uh, Kentucky straight bourbon finished in a second oak barrel. Um, it is a beautiful. 
bourbon and there is no more. So that's all the Woodford in this house. Well done, sir. It's a good staple to have. Well done. Very absolute must. I think Woodford is kind of a must. It's a very, uh, it's a very good must. Danny, what are you rocking so to tonight? I brought out the, uh, the precious blue label. Oh, oh. Yeah. me and Johnny Walker are dynamite tonight. That's a healthy pour too. Mm. Yeah. It's good five fingers. Well, you know, you only get your first 50 episode milestone once. So we're going to make it happen. It's a $60 pour right there. Damn. I don't want to know what that is. That's probably like a $90 pour at the bar. Because it's normally $9 beer night. And now that we have like 7% inflation, it's got to be $11 beer night, which means a shot of Johnny Blue is probably $48 now. Mm. So might as well just start drinking pappies. I was fucking take her down. I don't care. Speaking of pappies, oh, uh, if you guys have Netflix, do you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there is a show. It's three different documentaries that are on there called Heist. It's six episodes, two for each documentary. All three, all three of them are phenomenal. But the last one is about the Pappy Heist, and it's mm. awesome. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah, so good. So okay. good. I'm not going to spoil it for the Magic Don't 20 need. today. No, but, no, don't. Uh, I, I recommend box. it. I, I am reading a book called Pappy Land right now. Oh, yeah. it talks about uh, the family behind Pappy, and maybe they'll go into the heist. Who knows? Yeah, pretty cool. Exciting stuff. Let's talk about Brown. How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. This is the darkest brown you got. Yeah. Say, Holmes, uh, where they hiding the scotch? What about, um, brown? That's code for bourbon. Great stuff, this bourbon. Comes from a land called Kentucky. Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Scotch? Oh, yes, I, I think so. Could I have one more of these with some booze in it, please? <laughs> Love it. Wow. Today, we're going to talk about a little thing known as venture capital. 2021 was a record, record year for investments in venture capital. And what I found today was very interesting on uh, one of the multiple news emails that I get that's an aggregated source of stuff. I got one that's called uh, Angel Something, but this one triggered my interest for the show because... There is a company known as Tended Bar. And of course, like all of our shows, we're going to try and put the URLs in the show notes. Tendedbar.com. <clears throat> Tended Bar. What's Tendedbar.com, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. Tended Bar is the first fully automated bar designed primarily for high-volume venues. It allows guests to self-pour real mixed cocktails in as little as 30 seconds. Tended Bar provides a controlled and sanitary experience. Its automation technology allows operators to gain instant insight and analytics on every pour. You guys can see from this sticker here, it looks like the In-N-Out truck. Only instead of delicious double-doubles and shakes, you get sex on the beach, which we'll get into later in the show. But what do you guys think of this? It's just more control. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right off the bat, there's a couple things that I both love and hate about actual tended bars, not this, not this uh, invention here, but when you, 
when you go to an event and I've been to a couple, I, I almost don't go to any new year's or St. Patty's day events anymore because they can't ever staff enough people to fill the need for all the social drinkers that come out for those holidays. I've been, I, I think there was one I went to is almost a couple hundred bucks for a black tie event. And, and it was unlimited drinking and all, you know, whatever you want, all this stuff you go in there, except for when you go wait in line at the bar, it, it could take you 25 minutes to get a drink. So by the time you get it, you might as well just go right back in line again and get another one. So if this type of invention is going to prevent that, I'm all for it. Downside though, how many of you look for that one bartender that you feel like you can schmooze into just a little bit extra poor, <laughs> or, you know, maybe if I give you this little bit of extra tip, maybe that one jigger of booze turns into one and a half. And then you start befriending these people. And that's part of the experience. And I feel like this tended bar might be robbing that from you. I don't know if the uh, juice is worth the squeeze. I completely agree with Leon there. I think this has always been the battle for bartenders is trying to, well, bar owners to capture the margin that they're losing to heavy pours or mispoured drinks. Now, you know, for the bar, they buy a bottle, they expect so many drinks to come out of it. And the, we've all seen that where we go to a place and they turn the bottle upside down and it snaps the thing and only a specific amount of liquor comes out into the glass. I mean, it's mm -hmm. what it is. It's always that specific scientific. So that owner knows that if I don't know the math, but you know, gets 25 shots out of one bottle, they get 25 shots, not 20, not 21, but 25. And so that 25 becomes more money in their pocket. So they capture the margin to Leon's point. I hate this idea because as you point, like I, I seek out that person. I'm not the heavy poor. Like I, I don't want this little, I think if anyone's traveled to Europe and it's very interesting is, you know, they love to drink and they love to drink a lot, but it's so interesting when you go, cause you only get a, like, what is it? A hundred milliliter shots and it takes, you know, so you ask for a double and the double still smaller than one American shot. And it's always just, chaps me because i'm like this sucks i gotta pay for a double and it's not even one american but anyways i think heavy pours are what i look for and i like the natural point of what a drink's supposed to taste like not let me give a glass and then fill it up with a bunch of filler well i always wanted to be a bartender that's like I did not a secret passion of mine at all yeah no you did expect that. i went the complete opposite direction i think this is the best that capitalism has to offer <laughs> you you are on an island sir listen i'm not a svelte blonde blue-eyed wonderfulness that can just bosom up to the bar and wave the bartender down he comes running over hey girl you with anybody tonight nope let me hang out and get you everything you need i'm at the bar fighting for the bartender just like everybody else i gotta scream i gotta yell i gotta over tip him just to get his attention so that he'll come back later this whole i'm gonna make friends with the bartender thing I want to know what movie this is because I want a starring role. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I have, I have very rarely had that kind of a relationship with a bartender, but if I can wait in line, do, 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 get my drink, go back to what I'm doing. I don't have to waste a bunch of time over there. This to me is value. But you know who I'm not friends with every vending machine in America, because I think I'm 50, 50 by putting money in a machine and then like it getting caught and not dropping, or I didn't select the blue Gatorade. I selected the red Gatorade. What the fuck? So I can't even imagine 
when I ask for a sex on the beach and I get a Moscow mule, I will lose my shit. <laughs> I'll add one other thing. Um, I do like this idea and I don't know if you guys have seen it is when you go to beer places and they give you the wristband and you scan the wristband and you pick a beer where you can kind of sample more beers than getting, let's say you go to a place and it has 25 beers on tap. There's hopefully no way I drink all 25 and taste all 25, but maybe there's, you know, 10 or something like that, that I want a decent pour on those wristbands in that structure to this 10 bar works very, very well. Have you gentlemen ever been to one of those? Mm. Where, it's a good question. Uh, to where that you get a wristband. So you get like, you walk up, you put your credit card down. They give you an identification. I say it's a wristband, but it could be a coin of some kind. And that coin's tied. So you pay by ounce. So now you can, you know, mm, I'm thirsty. Yeah. I want to get a beer. I want to go to the fountain like you would for a Coke. Well, it's the same thing. You just get up, you go over to the beer in which you want to try. And you, instead of getting 12 ounces or 16 ounces, you get eight ounces or four ounces. And you only pay for the four. You don't pay for the eight or the 12 or whatever you're actually, whatever's in the pint glass. Either of you guys ever in all mm-hmm. of our adventures in our youth, when we went down to Mexico, did you ever go for the penny a drink bar? And they did no, that. I did that in Philadelphia. Oh, that is so cool. For all of you don't know what that is, you go in and they set a time. Like bar opens at five o'clock. You go in at five. Every drink is one penny until somebody goes to the bathroom or leaves the bar. So at about 15 minutes, you start to see people crossing their legs, jumping up and down a little bit. <laughs> Good promo. Somebody gets ready to go to the bathroom. People go, boo, boo. <laughs> Usually it doesn't last much longer than a half hour, but the peer pressure on these poor people that have to piss their pants is, is priceless, priceless entertainment. And it's worth, well, well, well worth your money to go in there. That sounds fun. No, I didn't actually have that experience but that it definitely like sounds like something that we would have done well i have some sounds, advice for the good people at tendered bar sounds, they like, want. sounds like the jury's still out on this one because i think no, it's no, a no, wonderful I'm, idea listen listen if they get like a membership or like a frequent buyer or mm. your third one gets a double or something like okay i'm on board with this uh otherwise it's kind of like we're just ripping the humanity out of everything that's awesome in the world. Like, isn't it bad enough that we have to stare at our stupid phones all day long? Uh, how many times have you been to dinner and you look around and the couple to your left and the couple to your right and the family in front of you, no one's even talking to each other. They're all on their phones. Now we can't even have the opportunity to talk to a bartender and I can dump all my woes on this person. I have to, I have to go to a machine. That's even more desperate. I, I really want to go to this bar with you now because I, I love the idea of a bartender that sits and interacts with you. When it's busy, they're bouncing all over the bar. They don't have time for you. You, you must be talking about a dead bar. If you got a dead bar, you're probably not going to invest in one of these devices. This is for the pumped out club scene with tons of people inside it. Yeah. I could see this at a concert. I think this is, this I is say like exact- a festival or a concert. Yeah. It seems like it's a good fit. I get it. I'm for it. Can't I go wrong with Ric Flair on the front page of your website. Woo! Woo! That's right. You got Ric Flair and the Grinch. You're good. You're good to go. Blanking <laughs> you on both sides. Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 
I we'll see if it sticks around. I think it definitely tries to speed up and improve sales and control liquor sales. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, well, that's enough about Brown. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into business news. News team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business. And I got news for you. Today's business news comes to us from the BuzzFeeds. Uh, this one was kind of a combination of business news and crank file, although there are strange things that make it into the world that kind of started out as a crank file and become legitimate things. This one is from the tech section of BuzzFeed. One of the creators of Google Glass is experimenting with a smart retainer for texting with your tongue. The academic project works by having users mouth letters to spell words without actually speaking them. Not to be confused with what we learned in college about how to write the alphabet with your tongue. This is for legitimate technological communication. The article begins a project led by one of the key creators of Google Glass, the tech giant's influential but ultimately ill-fated smart eyewear, aims to let people have conversations without talking or using their hands to type, sign, or gesture. Called Silent Speller, the project is a communication system that allows people to send texts using a high-tech dental retainer to spell out words without actually voicing them, according to a demo video and academic paper reviewed by BuzzFeed. The device works by tracking the movement of the user's tongue. Researchers claim the system identifies letters with 97% accuracy and 93% accuracy for entire words. Researchers, uh, the research is the brainchild of Tad, Thad, Tad, Tad Starner, a pioneer in wearable technology. Starner played a lead technical role in developing Google Glass, the much-hyped device that helped introduce the world to a new genre of gadgets beyond smartphones. But the device courted controversy and pushed the bounds of society's relationship with technology when Google introduced it almost a decade ago. Silent Speller, by contrast, is a research project at the Georgia Institute of Technology, where Starner is a professor. So the goal for now is more academic than product roadmap. However, the device could eventually be used to help people with movement disorders, including Parkinson's and essential tremor, Starner told BuzzFeed News in an interview. He also sees potential consumer applications like hands-free communication in really quiet places like the library or really loud places where people would have to strain their voices to be heard and get drinks from a vending machine. Thoughts on this, boys? <sighs> what happened to being turned on by the the girls that could take a cherry stem and tie a knot <laughs> in their mouth. We've, we've moved on to one that can do the alphabet. Uh, yeah, she can send you text messages when you can't see it. And then it's like, like X-Men, like professor X talking to you. She'll just be like, mm. no, I said I lost uh, the book. All right. That was quick. I, I, yeah, I, I, uh, okay. I don't get, I guess I don't understand the true applicability of this. This is definitely one of those scenarios where I feel like this could have been time better spent curing cancer. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Now there could be some application that, you know, maybe someone doesn't have any arms and no voice and they need to speak somehow. And maybe this is what fits the need for that. Road cancer. Hello, Mr. Insensitive. Yeah. Helps people communicate. Dick. No. Duh. No. 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 PP hurt time to die. PP hurt time. Advice for tongue movements. Go ahead, Jane. No, it, I will say that you're seeing the start of something. We'll see where it goes from here. You know, it's just kind of maybe technology building on technology. That's the only thing I'll add is this is a starting point. Who knows where it goes from here? Uh, hopefully, yeah, this is a stepping stone and not an actual thing we're going to have to do. I think I draw the line at tongue typing, my friends. It That's... would be interesting for situations in which the voice box is compromised, such as throat cancer or um, mute people that don't have the ability to talk. Maybe this is their way to communicate. Hmm. Uh, the article goes on, the device reads tongue movements through the retainer's 124 sensors according to the academic paper. This data is then sent to a personal computer or smartphone through a USB wire. For now, that means the users of the prototype will have a wire dangling from their mouths, but researchers believe they could eventually create a wireless version that fits entirely in the mouth. The device requires a dental impression for a custom-fitting retainer. Although researchers have been working on the project since January 2020, progress has been slowed because of COVID-19. Surprise, surprise. And has a limited number of... Participants, <laughs> limited number of participants that could get fitted for custom retainers. The effort is yeah. not a Google project, but has the fingerprints of the company's researchers on it. The demo video for the project published on Olwal's YouTube channel features Olwal testing out the device. His eyes are blurred out, but a Google spokesperson confirms it's him. Think about all the smart people in the world. They're just sitting in a room eating lunch. They're in their lunchroom. I assume that this is where all the smart people hang out and they're sitting there talking. And what are you working on? COVID, Karen, COVID, you COVID. Yep. Cancer. Oh, all right. Yeah. Still working on that. Good. You, uh, I'd like to type with my tongue. You, you go over, over there. You got to go sit on that table. You don't get to sit with us. <laughs> You're not with the cool people. You're I'd out. like to digitize <laughs> kind of lingus. Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> that's an analog application sir out <laughs> devices worn on or in this case inside the body have become a bigger focus of research over the last several years as tech becomes infused in more aspects of people's lives an apple watch can take an electrocardiogram with sensors to track your heartbeat facebook's parent company meta makes virtual reality headsets for tapping into the so-called metaverse, which tech executives describe as an immersive world with a mix of both digital and physical elements. For years, Facebook is also developing a, quote, brain-computer interface, unquote, with the goal of allowing people to communicate by imagining the words they wanted to type, but the company pulled the plug on that project in July. Google has created internet-connected jackets and bags, and for a time, the company experimented with smart contact lenses with glucose readers, for people with diabetes. <laughs> but as people start to use more of these devices, privacy concerns have cropped up. A device that fits into a person's mouth could open the door to invasive types of data collection. Okay. Pause for that. Uh, said John Davison, <laughs> Senior Counsel for the Electronic <laughs> Privacy Information Center, or EPIC. Why would, you, why would you do that? Why would you waste that acronym? <laughs> the Electronic Privacy Information Center decides to be EPIC. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't 
Doesn't seem like it works. Oh. Anyway, he's with a Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit. A nightmare scenario, he said. Epic. Might be a company gathering information about a person's saliva or dental records. While that's a long-term concern for a new generation of devices that deal with biometric data, there's no indication Silent Speller would have the capability to do anything like that. Because as we all know over the last 20 years, Google has no interest in the things that we do to spend our time. I hate that company. Uh, they're a juggernaut. You think they're ever going to get split up? Uh, I kind of like them too, but you got to have a reason to do it. I saw something in the separate but related. I saw something in the latest business week. Their opening op-ed, which was magazine sponsored, said that uh, breaking up Amazon under the guise of antitrust is technically incorrect. And they pulled something very interesting. Uh, Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota and Cotton of Arkansas were the ones that authored the bill. And surprise, surprise, Target is in Minnesota and Walmart is in Arkansas. Who better to go after Amazon? Old move, Cotton. Let's see if the strategy pays off. Well done, Cotton. Uh, I'll close this one up with saying that this isn't the first time Google scientists have worked with university researchers. Google has long had a tight-knit relationship with academia, stemming from the company's start at Stanford with Larry Page and Sergey Brin, then graduate students. For 15 years, the company awarded financial grants to academic researchers called the Google Faculty Research Awards. In 2020, the company discontinued that program and said it would instead focus on supporting up-and-coming researchers and faculty working on projects that serve underrepresented communities. That year, CNET reported on several projects funded by Google Research or developed by the Interaction Lab. They included temporary tattoos that transform a person's body into a living touchpad when applied to the skin and sunglasses that project holographic icons. Or I do think that's coming. They could cure cancer. Or they could cure cancer. Yeah. We digress. <laughs> One day. That, that wraps up business news. Let's get to the crank file. I could look for something in the crank file. Crank file. Whatever. Today's crank file comes to us from CNN Travel. Tourists having sex in the dunes is ruining a Spanish beach. Tragedy. <laughs> Overtourism is regularly blamed for choking historic cities, covering world-famous sites in trash, and killing local life and tourist hotspots across the world. Now, tourists having sex is said to be behind the gradual destruction of a beach and nature reserve in Europe. The Dunas de Mas Palomas Special Nature Reserve is the Spanish island of Gran Canaria, it is known for its wild sand dunes rippling out behind its lighthouse perched on the seafront and regularly tops the list of things to see on the island. Can we pause for a sec? Let's pause for a sec. The Dunas de Mas Palomas, the dunes of many towers. You know what Paloma is as slang in Mexico? Nope. Paloma's dick. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, so what do they expect these people to do? We haven't even started the article yet. <laughs> this is All right, where we so, the Dunes of Many Towers Special Nature Preserve. It's dunes, which have been legally protected since 1982, are one of the last remaining shifting dune systems in Europe. Provide a resting spot for birds migrating between Africa and Europe. But now, is it the African swallow, Leon, or is it the European <laughs> swallow? <laughs> 
We've already got one. <laughs> We've already got one. What do you call this one then? And you must chop down the tallest tree in the forest with a herring. Well, not. Oh, please. Uh, anyway, now it's providing a very different kind of rest spot with tourists taking to the dunes to get frisky. A new paper in the Journal of Environmental Management, Sand, Sun, Sea, and Sex with Strangers, the five S's characterizing cruising activity and its environmental impacts on a protected coastal dune field. Looks for the first time at the environmental impact on the coastal reserve being used as a cruising area. Researchers inventoried 298 sex spots on the beach over a total area of over two square miles, mainly among, quote, bushy and dense vegetation, unquote. Oh, zing. What I'm talking about. Dunes that wad up around vegetation. They studied them during May 2018, a period which included the local Gay Pride Festival. The tourists' sex and cruiser trampling impacts directly not only on the Nepcas, these bushy and dense vegetation patches, but also on eight native plant species, three of which are endemic. Tourists well, you trample- know, Nepcas, yeah, let's just pause. Nepcas <laughs> is slang for, I don't know. Sounds like nipples, though. I, I don't really know. <laughs> Some language. <laughs> I mean, it's about towers and nipkas. People are fucking. That's that's how that's going. They also use the dunes as a toilet, with researchers finding urination and defecation locations. Uh, the more remote the sex spot is, the more it had been used, and the more trash was left in it. Researchers notice, although the authorities leave trash bags in some of the larger areas, they were normally full. Even the dunes exclusion zone, which is completely off limits to the public, where other areas are restricted, was found to have fifty-six sex spots. As a result of the tourist activities, there has been a complete abandonment of environmental education in the reserve. According to the study, the reserve was originally created with education as a primary activity. What's more, Grand Canaria giant lizards, a popular site in the Canary Islands, have died after eating condoms left behind by pleasure seekers. Now, that's just We're wrong. The best. We're just the best creatures out there. That's just wrong. One more reason not to use condoms, kids. Because they choke Grand Canary beach lizards? Yes, of course. Yeah. That's the number one reason. That, that was an excuse I didn't have in high school. Why do you hate the planet? <laughs> Hosting up to 14 million visitors a year, Grand Canaria is a gay-friendly tourist destination with visitors from the U.S., U.K., and Germany among the main markets. And while the authors are quick to emphasize that there is no intention to criticize some of the LGBTI community and stress that it was not just LGBTQ visitors having sex in the dunes, they note that cruising is openly practiced on Maspalomas. Coastal dune systems are a crucial part of the marine landscape and have been used to attract tourism around the world with devastating consequences. Their degradation in many cases has been a direct consequence of tourism development, reads the paper. As Hesp wrote in his separate article, we're not calling for an end to public sex, but we do want people to be aware of the damage it can do. Here, here. What a beautiful beach. Do me on it. Is that what's going on? (laughs) By the way, love sex on the beach in all reality. The drink or the activity? Well, the activity. I mean, both kind of gritty. Yeah, that's not that's not fun. You don't want to sand that area down. It gets everywhere. It gets absolutely no matter how careful you are, no matter how big your blanket is, it gets everywhere. Why would you? That's no good. That's no good. Is unless this is one of those. uh, Well, it's dunes, right? Because when I went to Europe, uh, a lot of the beaches there weren't even sandy. 
and that were incredibly right. uncomfortable. They're just rocks. rocks, right? Yeah, I don't get it. But you know, this is specifically talking about dunes and the Canary Island. Ah. Uh, yeah, not. But it's a whole different type of tourist trap. What What's their plan here? Are they gonna? They don't really, really have talk a, about a way it. to do it. It's something under the jurisdiction of the Canary Islands. But the article finishes up: one couple having sex on the beach is one thing, but having hundreds converge on the same area every day damages the dunes as much as off-road driving does. Do you think we haven't heard about this because we're American and they specifically call out European countries that is this like the spot they all talk about? Like, Hey, I want to do it on the Canaries. Uh, well, allegedly it's all over Pornhub. So who knows? Yeah. Well, there you go. Right. Spanish holiday oh, hotspot, the Canary Islands. That wraps up the crank file. Let's get to Florida. Today's Because Florida comes to us from Florida Keys News, uh, courtesy of the Miami Herald. Manatees will receive emergency rations of romaine lettuce if starvation looms this winter. Do you guys know this? Do you guys know the manatees are dying? Yes. They've been dying for years. I did not know that. Well, Mr. Jones knew. Romaine lettuce will be used as uh, emergency food. What is it, Jay? No, they're dying because of the, uh, the waterways and the boats and all that other stuff. But... Anyways, their habitat. Sure they get hit by. I'm getting their hit by that. They get hit, I, and then their habitat's getting taken. So it's it's been since I was a kid in elementary school. But animals. this is new. This sounds like their food source is becoming limited. So. Yeah, the article goes on. Romaine lettuce will be used as emergency food for manatees in an unprecedented intervention to prevent the marine mammals from enduring another winter of mass starvation. Mm-hmm. A total of 757 manatees died, mostly from starvation over the past year around the Indian River Lagoon, where pollution from farms and lawns has killed off seagrass. The deaths pushed the number of manatee deaths statewide past 1,000 for the year. It's against federal and state law to feed manatees for good reason, said Thomas Eason, Assistant Executive Director of the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, speaking at a news conference last week at the Florida Power and Light Plant Manatee Viewing Area in Riviera Beach. There are all sorts of unintended consequences of that that usually lead to poor outcomes for manatees. So we've collectively looked at that and decided that this unprecedented event was worth unprecedented action, and we are prepared to do that. Wildlife advocates applauded the move, although they called it a stopgap measure that doesn't address the water pollution problems that have turned part of Florida's Atlantic coast into a deadly place for manatees. Fertilizers from lawns, farms, and septic tanks have fertilized algae blooms that shaded out seagrass, destroying thousands of acres of grazing areas for manatees in a process worsened by climate change. It's unclear whether the emergency feeding will actually take place. State and federal officials said they've set up a system to do it so they can move fast if it's needed. Majority of last year's deaths took place in the winter when manatees clustered around the warm discharge zones of a Florida power and light plant in Cape Canaveral and ate all the nearby food. Authorities hope the mild winter that's prevailed so far continues allowing manatees to roam in search of food and preventing the need to feed them. And I thought I saw something where they were suing the EPA over lax enforcement of those waterways because they're polluted with uh, fertilizer or whatever. Thoughts on this, boys? I just think the manatee's doomed. Like, agree. <laughs> there's, there's just creatures out there that you gotta wonder how they got this far. Yeah, uh, they just 
it's it's sheer size you know keeps it defended against the crocodiles and everything else that are in those waterways but or is it gators alligators i guess but uh yeah I, this and the sloth and just just so many creatures out there that i just the panda yeah well yeah right like well, there's nothing but bamboo out there i don't understand why the pam panda can't get enough but an average manatee can eat 50 to 100 pounds of food a day and we're talking about grass here what why do they eat algae of grass look like i mean algae is just another type of greenery right make their stomach hurt well, the argument here is that the Atlantic population of manatees where the deaths occurred is one of four main populations in the state. The other three have not experienced a wave of mortality. The state's total manatee population has been estimated at nearly 9,000. So they lost one-ninth of the entire population. Federal conservation status of manatees was changed from endangered to threatened in 2017 under the Trump administration in a move supported by the boating industry and opposed by many environmentalists. They retain protection under the Endangered Species Act despite the change in status. State Wildlife Service and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service have set up a unified command. That sounds fancy, doesn't it? With a field mm -hmm. response station, also fancy, at the FPL Cape Canaveral plant to coordinate rescue feeding and health assessments. I feel like they should instead, and they have time, go plant grass <laughs> as opposed to yeah, getting ready grass, to give them. But the grass can't grow because they put herbicides in. There's nothing you can do about it. But I'm sure there's still places upriver that are still good. Uh, I mean, when I saw the manatees when I was out in Daytona, uh, they were all in where the hot springs come up. Yeah. That's where we would see them once a year because that's the only warm place they yeah, would come they up to. And there was, plant. yeah, hundreds of them, you know, and just, you know, plant a bunch of food there. And I don't know. I, I don't have the answer here. I just, uh, I just know that it's one of those cute animals that we want to keep, you know, saving. It's like the otter. Uh, and oh, if it's not otter. Yeah, it's cute. It's harmless. Yeah, it's, you know what's interesting? You bring that up, but that's another problem with the otters right now. It's because the kelp beds are all um, basically retracting because the water keeps getting warmer and warmer. So kelp beds are going away, which means their habitat's going away, which means then their food source is going away. So it's like they're another kind of one of those, you know, what are you going to do about the cute little otter eventually? Hmm. This is in the California coast. Adapt, adapt yeah, or die. I mean, Leon, you lived in Florida. This isn't Huntington Beach. What, do you need to fertilize your lawn that much? Doesn't don't you I'm have natural humidity and water? I mean, you go out in that area. There's not I, the way I picture Florida when I was driving around. There's really two areas: inhabited and swamp. And most of these areas are just swamp. Nobody lives in swamp. They're not farming in swamp. So. I'm I'm actually shocked. The whole Everglades area, by the way, is massive and protected. So uh, maybe they'll just figure out new migration routes to go to places that aren't like that. But you think this maybe is just basically cherry picking one one speck of Florida, not like a larger. I mean, talk about it as a, a serious waterway there, and and maybe it's possible, but. Like I said, there's just, you, even when you fly over Florida, there's just, it's swamp and then a few city and then swamp. <laughs> there's just nothing else there. So mm -hmm. it's not like California or, you know, even Arizona seems to have a lot more farmland, those circle, mm -hmm. you know, round type mm -hmm. farmland. You don't see that as much in Florida. You can see orange groves and stuff in the middle of the state, but. 
Uh, the article concludes to report a sick, injured, or starving manatee. For those of you, Bob's listening in Florida, the number is 888-404-3922. Do your part. Save the manatee. wonder if the manatee could live anywhere else. Like India, right? Can we move them? Like if you put them in India. Yeah. That wraps up Florida. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into parenting. We can make kids right now. That's why we're here. It's not the years, it's the mileage. Today's parenting comes to us from Newsweek. Out of the culture section, guests slammed for demanding bride and groom pay for babysitters at child-free wedding. Bride-to-be has been left stunned after several guests demanded she pay for babysitters to look after their children while they attended the wedding. In a post shared to Reddit's now legendary Am I the Asshole subreddit, the woman explained that the decision to make her nuptials a kid-free occasion has caused a lot of drama, quote-unquote. Child-free weddings are not uncommon in this day and age, but they continue to be a source of consternation to some guests. According to Whitney Harris and Jamie Mackey at Brides.com, it's perfectly acceptable for the bride and groom to not want children present on their special day. But there must be no exceptions. Make sure you're applying that age rule across the board, they advised. If someone calls to ask if they can bring their kids along, let them know what you've decided and stick to your guns. In the case of the soon-to-be-married woman posting on Reddit as traditional sound 4192, their reasons for excluding kids from their wedding was twofold. She said they had been to multiple friends' weddings where kids have run wild, screamed, cried, threw tantrums throughout the wedding ceremony, which echoed and was the main thing you could hear. Additionally, she said throughout her life, she has been sensitive to high-pitched noises and can often get massive headaches that leave her feeling nauseous. Okay, let's stick with the first just one. pause. She doesn't need to give these reasons. She does. That's what I'm saying. No. She's it's, the bride. It's, it's her my wedding. wedding. That's it. That's it your doesn't reason. matter her reasons. She should charge a plate for everybody who's eating at her wedding. I don't want children at my wedding. It's my wedding. That's right. My wedding. If you're not for that rule, don't come. It's really that simple. We had a no child wedding. Did you guys have a, you had a no child wedding, right, Leon? We had no child. Yeah. I I, I mean, we didn't say that, but we were at a cruise. So yeah, we we said this is a no child wedding. And we also said, no hard feelings. You don't have to come. And right. I don't remember getting any of this trouble. No, I think people were understanding. It depends on, I imagine there's like one pat queen who's basically leading this because of some kind of, she has cousins or the bride has cousins and they're like, oh, so-and-so doesn't want to have my kids at her wedding. We're going to have a stink. She has to pay for the babysitter. Fucking stupid. Well, my, we'll, we'll get into the rest of the article, but my guess, my prediction is that she's the youngest of the family and everybody else has kids now. Because I'm sure at the older siblings and relatives' weddings, it was a non-child wedding because nobody had kids. At previous yeah. weddings where children had been present, she'd taken strong painkillers to get through the day and one is unable to drink alcohol as a result. Okay, again, don't need to know. Mm-hmm. Weddings aren't the place to bring kids. They get bored easily and they have to sit still and be quiet for an extended period of time, which can be difficult when you're young. We want a child-free wedding so we can enjoy our wedding. I can have celebration drinks on my wedding and don't have to spend the day medicated. The bride said, well, our family were happy with the plan. Some friends are not and have said if they don't invite their kids, then they should have to pay for babysitters or they aren't coming. Torn over whether she's being unreasonable for wanting a child-free wedding, the woman turned to Reddit for a second opinion 
on whether she should modify her plans with her post garnering over 10,000 interactions. Uh, however, users were wholly supportive of her plans and instead hit out at her supposed friends for attempting to hijack her big day. Fucking a yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, long, strange username. Kimbo Slice 01 said they have every right to exclude children so they can celebrate how they want, adding that their guests' demands were ludicrous. Lord Vetitinary? Vetitinary? As I look, mm-hmm. what do you guys see? Yeah, yeah. I see I see, I see, I see, I see titty in the middle of a veterinarian. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was baffled by the suggestion. Why on earth would you have to pay for other people's childcare? Their kid, their problem. If they don't want to pay for a babysitter, then they don't get to attend. Yeah. He added, I'm sure most people with young children have hired babysitters for far more trivial reasons. They won't be bankrupt after paying for a few hours of childcare. And Kitchen Arm 3288 also noted, if you pay for anyone's childcare, you have to pay for everyone's childcare. And that's not a reasonable expense for you to be expected to bear. Well, here's the other thing uh, that we're missing here. There, you know, and since this is the parenting se- segment, it's definitely worth talking about. Once you become a parent, your life drastically changes. And you start looking around for opportunities that make sense for you to abandon your children for an hour, <laughs> a weekend. Uh, and you know, society forces certain situations to say, yeah, that one's acceptable. Funerals, weddings, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, the game's on, not acceptable. Like society frowns on that. But wedding, you're okay. So take that opportunity. I I, I, I look for people that are in love now, hoping they'll get married. So that's my opportunity to go leave my child and party. <laughs> like, I don't know you. Um, but you look you look like a happy couple yeah it's another reason we could go and get completely trashed and i'm gonna feel crappy the next day but hopefully i have it set up that maybe an in-law has the kid or whatever it is that like there's the understanding verse uh was at the bar with the guys and it went over time and then there were shots and uh it's more i almost look forward to weddings he was don't have a time at my wedding yeah at least and I yeah, was I was did. celebrating that with him. I was like, waiting, buddy. He was the one drinking out of the boot. <laughs> I remember, I remember Pops though, like, guys, knock it off. No drinking right now. Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what country about to get married? Is. That is, is the exact time to be drinking. <laughs> I'm nursing the hangover. I, I need this. Like, this Look is the me. time. You guys Look remember smiling, judging? Uh the comedian? Yeah, the, uh, the guy that smashed watermelons. Yeah, Gallagher. He always used a lot of props in his act, right? So one yeah, of his jokes true. that kind of was funny, haha, when we were in our 20s, kind of resonates now, is he goes behind his little gadget box, whatever, and he comes back out with an anchor that's got a diaper on it. And he goes, <laughs> this is basically what it is to be a parent. He starts swinging the thing back and forth. He's like, this is, this is pretty much it. It's a diaper on an anchor. And if you don't believe me, I want you to think about the last time you went out with some of your friends. Your friends come up and go, hey, you guys want to go out, dinner, dancing, drinks? We'll drive. No. We've got a baby. We can't ever go out again. (laughs) These are the opportunities. If you hear about a wedding that isn't, a child-free wedding you're like i i guess i'll go yeah you're like oh. <laughs> you know it sucks for you it sucks for them 
the kids are always on the dance floor. They're, you know, just big giant attention hogs. You're trying to split them up from each other. Don't touch that. Don't look at that. Keep your shirt on. Like, how is that fun for anyone? It, you should, all weddings should always be childless. No, I get that there's some huge, yeah. massive galas that, you know, people have to have, you know, I would, uh, 900 I would of their closest go- friends. I would probably go something like because I would bring my nine year old to a wedding. I think mm-hmm. he can he can balance his shit and he can keep it together, and I can you know, either bribe him or threaten him, and he'll be cool. I can't bring that's my six year old. No, that's about the age nine o'clock. So, there's probably a threshold at which you could bring the children because you could expect them to behave, and you know the reason you don't bring kids to a wedding is because they're they're little tornadoes going everywhere. So if you can if you can manage the children and make them kind of passive and off in the corner and not stealing the thunder of the bride, then yeah, I understand that. But that's the challenge of, yes, it's a child-free event. Uh, children under eight are not allowed. In which case, if you have people with multiple children, like, well, I'm not going to split my family. So it, the best thing is to say yes, kids or no kids. And we will not be offended if you don't come. Yeah. Wow. Being someone who has a, you know, 10 month old, we've already gone to two weddings with our little guy and we couldn't really dump them off at anybody because it just didn't work in both cases. They, you know, it's kind of a football, right? You just keep them in the seat. You, you know, what was crazy is one of them was in the middle of Jude and it was 106 outside. I spent the whole wedding sitting in the bride's room or the bride's like suite, just in an air conditioned room watching soccer for three hours. It actually worked out pretty well in that case, but uh, fatherhood. Yeah. I, uh, I'm I'm sure glad the I'm sure the bride's super happy that she spent a hundred dollars for your chair for food. Oh, she, she was never in there. <laughs> ah, they're That's expensive play for you to sit and watch soccer. And babysit the it's baby. really what it came down to, but it worked out. Oh, anyways, now that wraps up parenting. Leon, Leon, are you ready? Are you ready? Have I already I've already bitched about servers that don't know enough about bourbon yet. <gasps> yes, you have. This year. Ah, shit. Do you have a story? No, oh, it just happened to two. us again. It just happened to two. us again. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into part two because it's time for Leon Loads. So far, Danny, I haven't heard a single logical reason. No, no, don't accept this. It's frustrating. And we haven't cured cancer. We have not cured cancer. I don't know the answer. I'm just ranting about it. Leon, the floor is yours. I, I guess I don't have enough things to rant about because I'm re-ranting against a previous rant, but I think it's valid, especially <laughs> for this show. Uh, I get it. When you go to fancy restaurants, they really focus on the wine. I think maybe it's just my world, but I really do feel like the world is transitioning that wine is great. And it's good that you know a lot about wine and people drink wine but the more I'm going to restaurants, the more I'm sitting at bars, I'm seeing less glasses of wine and more glasses of other things, tequila and vodka drinks, and certainly whiskey and brown. So I don't think that they, these restaurants are spending enough time educating their staff to know the difference between basic types of liquor. I know this because we just went and it, this is one of those places it's you know, $70 a steak, right? That's, Ooh. that's where we're at. 
Yeah, you know, rich. ridiculous. And that doesn't even come with a side. You got to get a side and that's another 12 or 15 bucks. So when you're in that price point range and then uh, Triple B asks, you know, what, what, what kind of bourbon do you have on tap? Well, we have Johnny Walker Red. We have, um, I think we have Jack Daniels. My eyes roll so hard in my head. I almost fall out of my chair every single damn time. Those aren't bourbon, dude. Those are, and then we actually sent him back and he was a great, great server. I'm not ripping him, but I don't think they spent enough time educating him. So this is a, instead of me screaming tonight, I'm going to go right, right into the mic here. If you're a restaurant owner, if you are out there as a proprietor peddling alcohol, Please spend some time teaching the basics to your wait staff on what is the difference between the whiskeys. Scotch is not bourbon, is not Tennessee whiskey. And if you're going to sell it to me for $18 a fucking glass, you better know the fucking difference. That's all I got to say. I, I, I can't, I can't rant on it anymore. I think it's crystal clear. This is something that, you know, if, if I see the people running in 2022 and this is on their docket, uh, they, they're going to get my vote. I don't even care what part of their own. I will change the way that servers sell alcohol. They will know more. <laughs> well done, Leon. Not really. Not really. This isn't my best load, but it right. is so you, valid. You didn't everywhere. start out 2022 well, but I'm sure it'll get better as the year progresses along. Why don't we flip gears here and go the exact opposite direction? Do you have one New Year's resolution that you want to stick to in 2022, being that this is our first episode recorded in the year of the Brown 2022? Well, Mr. Jones, go first. Oh, thank you. Um, since this is unprepared, I'm just going to go with something really simple. I want to work less. Hmm. Um, I just work too much and I need to, my new year's resolution is to one uh, exercise, which I think uh, many would say this is the time that everyone heads to the gym and you go in and go, what do you mean? There's no bench right now. How long are you going to need it for? And there's a line. Um, but I think this is the time to kind of focus in on you and you being, let's not focus so much on the productivity of the work, but more kind of on yourself and your health. Hey, I think that's a great one, Mr. Jones. I'm for that. And I, I too want that. I'm not going to steal yours. I, I will, I will say for me this year, I want to focus more on not bitching. I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen. Uh, I think, I think in all reality though, I do want to spend more time enjoying life. And part of that for me is I've, I've had the opportunity to live in a lot of different places in this country and I've made some of the best friends in the world. And I just have to do a better job of checking in with them because you blink and four months went by 
you blink and six months go by and you didn't even call and check on them. You, you miss their birthdays, you miss whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's 10 minutes out of your day. I don't care if I, if I have to ask Siri for help, but she's got to remind me, Hey, call Dr. Jones today. I'm going to call you doctor today because your, your <laughs> answers have been so spot on. Dr. Um, Socket. But yeah, I think that's my resolution. Do a better job of reaching out to the friends I have. And especially these last couple of years, you know, a lot of people lost, lost in this whole thing, you know, and, uh, and I, you know, I'm as much as I rant about everything. I think one of the most serious things for me is mental health. And I think that the last couple of years have done a lot to damage that. And I, you know, I was joking about the phones earlier, but I think human connections just got to increase. That's the answer. You know, we're, we are not isolated people. That's why one of the biggest punishments in prison is to put you all by yourself. You got to do better, right? You got to reach out and talk to people and, and that's really how you grow. So that's mine. I love it. I love that. That's a, it's a great takeaway. Yeah. You guys are getting deep. I was going to do something a little more pedestrian. Um, I would like to read minimum of one book a month hmm. because similar to, I'll give a call back to Leon. We are on our devices a lot. We are on our screens. And uh, I think the time you spend with a bunch of pieces of paper bound up in your hand, uh, it encourages what they could refer to as mindfulness. I think we talked about that in a different episode, but the idea of just you and you and this thing, allowing your eyes to scan over the words and drink it in. Um, you know, if you've never read a book, you've only lived one life. So mm. I'm looking forward to the opportunity to ingest some more literary goodness. And I've set a modest goal for myself of one a month. So if I can get 12 books done by the end of 2022, I will have satisfied my resolution for the year. All right. I like That's that. a good one. He never learned to read. <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, as we're wrapping up, let's finish up with our bottom of the bottle. This bitch is empty. Yeet. I will talk about painful places to get stung by a bee on one of our episodes because I know that that's Mr. Jones's favorite. Uh, but for today, since we're just getting done with the holidays, like quote unquote, the holidays are officially over. It's time to get back to life, back to reality. As the song says, it's January, new year, new you. I want to give you a little statistic that I found that makes me laugh. Uh, back in the 1770s, Ben Franklin was famously quipped, fish and visitors smell after three days. According to a survey by Motel 6 in 2021, it takes the average American three hours and 54 minutes to get sick of their extended family. <laughs> How far we've come. <laughs> Woo-hoo. You can email us at bottleofbrown at gmail.com. Uh, leave a message for Danny, for Leon, for Mr. Jones. You can give us a call, 602-529-4562. Uh, we are available 24 hours a day. Just kidding. You're going to leave a message, and we're going to play it on the show. Uh, if you're listening to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, give us a follow. And if you like it, share with a friend. The more bobs we get, the more spread we get, the more reach we get, the more bobs jump on to this great family train of ours. And who knows? 
Maybe someday we'll get some advertisers to pay for this fund and we'll get to have some really nice episodes where maybe we go to the Mecca in Kentucky or we go to the Whiskey Fest in San Francisco. Uh, but we can't do that unless we have more listeners. So if you like the show, tell a friend, follow, subscribe, get involved. That's it for the show, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Happy Thursday. Catch us next time. Same brown time, same brown channel. Bottleofbrown.com. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>